It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome, this is Talk to Pick, episode 97 of Pittsburgh Pirates podcast. I'm Nathan Hirsch. I'm here with Jake Slobodnik. And Jake, you can't hear it right now. And if you're listening to us live right now, you can't hear it. But we have ourselves some new intro music. So that's the magic of editing. We'll get that in there later. Jake, what's up? Oh, nothing much. I'm excited to hear this new music. I'm just picturing it right now, but uh, nothing much. Just rounding out a busy work week. Got some high school basketball to broadcast this weekend. The local college in my area is playing in the national tournament, uh, district or division two tournament. So not to confuse anybody, but uh, things have been busy. Things have been good. How have things been on your end? Not too bad. Yeah. College basketball March Madness is heating up. Uh, as we record this, Pitt is fresh off of a nice 30-point, almost embarrassing loss to Duke. So that sucks. But uh, this is a Pirates podcast, and we talk about good baseball teams such as the Pirates, I say in jest. Jake, we'll start with this. How worried are you about Brian Hayes' thumb, which is not super hurt, but... Hayes hasn't been playing in games over the, the past few days. He's been doing some cage work, but what do you think? The injury itself, I'm not too concerned with. I mean, if if, if it's as, I guess, lowbrow as, as people say, it's only a sore thumb. I don't think it's going to be too, too bad. 
Um, but again, here we go with another injury for key Brian Hayes. And I hate bringing this up, but it seems like every year we have at least maybe one, maybe two times that we talk about a key Brian Hayes injury. And I know it, things are, you know, it's a long season. There's a lot of wear and tear on the body, but I mean, Hayes has just been injury prone over the past couple of years. And this doesn't really add much definition to the fact that people defend him saying, but he's still good. And I, I saw something interesting on Twitter today and it was some guy, I forget his account name. He kind of added a ton of people and was like, Hey, key Brian Hayes um, injuries. It was something along the lines of key Brian Hayes out again, blah, blah, blah. Here we go. More time missed. And then justice de los Santos said he played the second most games last season. Um, but he still spent time on the injury list. He spent time on the injury list before that. And if we're really going to factor in games played for the Pirates last year, I mean, that's what, that, was, that, was a, that was a revolving door. So, of course, Key Brian Hayes' numbers look great compared to everybody else. I, I, I can't really blame Key, though. And I don't want to because it's not really the player's fault when they get hurt. My, the, the blame for me lies with Todd Tomzik and the medical team because, and I know I've said it multiple times on the show, I, there is something fishy going on with them. And by, by that, I mean... There, it seems like the injury list continues to grow, and we see it earlier this season. Like we saw it, what two weeks into spring training, the injury list started growing. Happened with Termar Johnson. Now with Hayes's injury, Harleen Garcia. I mean, there's a, it. It amazes me that Todd Tomzik and his staff are still kind of employed, or kind of they're still employed by the Pirates, or at least partnering with them regarding injury and you know medical issues, because it seems like nothing ever gets fixed with them. I don't know about you, but like, I don't blame Key for the injury. It's never the player's fault for getting hurt. But I, I really am starting to question. I'm worried about the the care that the players are receiving from from Todd Tomzik and his staff. I mean, I'm no doctor over here, but I guess with some players, sometimes they're just more injury prone than others. And with Hayes, I'm not too worried yet. It just seems like the team is being extra cautious, which I think that's good. Spring training doesn't doesn't really matter that much. I just want to say it's his left thumb, so it's his glove hand thumb. So, I mean, we'll see. He should be back to action soon. I don't. As far as the training staff goes, there's some things that I question. Maybe more on the pitching side of things. Um, for example, you know, a few years ago, Jameson Tyon had an elbow issue and it took months for them to finally decide to give him Tommy John surgery. This is years and years ago, but I don't, I don't want to comment too much on my opinion of the training staff. Every team has injuries. Um, every team handles them how, how they choose. I don't, I can't really tell what's what on that end, but with Hayes, I really just hope that he, He's back in game action here in a few days. The thumb's fine. It it just sucks with him, though, because anytime when he gets injured, fans and people a part of the team alike, they kind of raise their eyebrows because Hayes does seem to get injured pretty frequently, and it always seems like nagging injuries, and it seems like they're the type of injuries that he can play through and stack games. Yeah, he played 136 games last season, but you could tell that his hitting was affected because of nagging injuries, so he didn't really hit well. He's always going to be awesome in the field. That goes without being said, but 
With Hayes, I don't worry about him missing time per se, but I don't want to see him play a lot of games with nagging injuries to affect the bat. So I think health is key with him. But for now, just take it easy. It's just spring training. Get healthy. Be ready for opening day. And and we'll be fine. That's just kind of where I'm at. But yeah, spring training is in full effect right now. The Pirates have some wins and more losses. I'm not even sure about their record because that's how much I don't care about it. But Jake, is there anything that has really stood out to you in these first 13 or so games of spring training? Yeah, and I'm going to try to not focus on stats too much because I'm trying to not scare myself with them. But one thing I'm really concerned with is our at-bats and approaches when heading up to the plate. I was watching the game today, and by if you're listening on a day other than Thursday, the Pirates play the Tigers today, and I mean, yeah, they, they worked good. They worked some walks against Michael Lorenzen, but... It, what what I'm what sticks out to me the most is you know guys like Carlos Santana, Andrew McCutcheon, um, Brian Reynolds, those guys who can make consistent contact and get on base through hitting. They look just very very unbalanced, I would say, at the plate. Carlos Santana, there was a pitch right down the middle, and it was a hitter's count three one. And I don't unless he has a hole in his bat, he swung right through it. And it looked like his swing was off balance. His eyes were pulled. Uh, McCutcheon is in it, it, Kutch. I feel so bad for because he's not really giving us a lot of promise, but he's pretty setting the bar pretty low for the season. But like he, he's barely getting any pop on his hits. Brian Reynolds grounds into many double plays. Really, the only production I'm seeing are from some of the minor league camp guys in the late goings of the game. You know, it's pretty sad and. Trust me, I know. I, I think back to last year with Kevin Newman and his 700 batting average, either last year or the year before that. And then I think back to Diego Castillo, and I'm thinking, man, they they impressed, but look how they did in the regular season. But what's sad to me is like some of our stars and some of our notable guys aren't doing too well. And then you have guys like Drew Maggi, who seems to be capturing the attention of everybody because he's actually making consistent contact. I'm just not seeing quality at bats, I would say. Oh, I can't say that. Not... I'm not seeing productive at-bats with the sticks. There's a lot of walks going on, but at the same time, there's a lot of strikeouts going on. And, you know, you would think by now we're 13 games in, you would think that we would start to see a little bit more consistency at the plate. And I mentioned this in one of my articles, and that was the Pirates are struggling on offense. And I had a commentary and say, how is it that they can put up seven runs and seven hits, but you call that struggling? Well, look at the front end of the lineup. When they're going up against the true MLB players that we're going to be seeing in the regular season, when they look unbalanced, when their at-bats look awful, and I use awful very loosely in that, and it just seems like there's no improvement from the front end of the batting order, uh, that's why I'm concerned about it. And then you look in like the, I would say from the sixth inning on, we're starting to see a little bit more consistency. But again, you go, you, these are minor leaguers going up against either minor league prospects, top prospects, or some duds. And there's not really much promise there. So they're kind of just playing in garbage time. There's no real stress or anything like that. It's, it just, it just feels like they're, they're, like I said, mop up role. Um, there are some good things though, in terms of those late inning guys, as I said, Drew Maggi has looked pretty good. I, I'm not going to say he's a star by any means. I'm sure he'll win the Diego Castillo's training award. 
Um, Jason DeLay is looking pretty good in terms of his approach at bat. I think he's a solid candidate for the backup catcher role. There's some other ones too. Nick Gonzalez is starting to make consistent contact, at least. He's still trying to get a little oomph on the ball, um, but it's good to see that he's reaching base. Um, Kanan Smith and Jigba's also really impressed me. Um, just the way he approaches, he see he's like the one of the few that actually put together consistent quality at bats that can either get on using the walk or he's just good situationally. I would say, um, he's not trying to do too much. He's just trying to make some good production up there. And I like what he, what I see from him. I mean, I mean, there's really not much to say pitching. I'm really impressed with for the most part, rich Hill looks like he aged like fine wine. I was actually kind of nervous seeing him on the mound. I thought, you know, because he's older, he's going to look worse. No, he actually looks really good. Mitch Keller still looks great. JT Brubaker, from what I've seen so far, is okay. Um, he's getting there. Vince Velasquez, for what it's worth, is turning in some quality starts, too. I don't know if it's going to hold over to the regular season. Probably won't, but for what it is right now, I'll give him a quick nod. Bullpen is, like, iffy. There's a lot of guys who I'm questioning if they're, they should even be on the opening day roster right now. There's guys who probably should get on there. Uh, but really, I, I guess in, to wrap it up, I'm, I'm impressed with some things, but I am concerned with a lot. It's, I, I, can't, I, don't know, I don't know whether it's coaching or I don't know if these guys are just not ready to play ball yet. But I, every time I see the Pirates come up the bat, it's, it's either three up, three down, or weak contact. There were two games where we were no hit through four innings. And that's what I mean about the the fear I have for the front end of the lineup. You're in spring training, you're getting no hit. Like you can't expect games like last year where you get no hit but still win one nothing. That's what concerns me. I know it's still pretty early in the spring, so that could turn around at any moment. But right now, considering we've been no hit through four innings twice with the front end of our lineup full of veterans who we've improved proved upon. Um, I'm really just hoping that it's rust and they can break that off before the start of the season. But that's just my my initial thoughts on spring training. Yeah, I mean Remember what Jordy Mercer told us last week. He hitters are behind. I mean, it's as simple as that. As far as the veterans, the McCutcheons, Santana's, uh, G-Man Choi has looked awful. <laughs> Brian Reynolds has one hit. I don't care at all. That that does not worry me in the absolute slightest. They're veterans. Spring training to them, they're just working some stuff out. By the time it's opening day, I think they'll be ready. I'm not. I'm not going to say that they're going to be world beaters by opening day, but I'm not worried at all by the absolute lack of hitting so far uh, by this team. And. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price. Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas city, go Kevin or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. On the pitching side, I agree. 
They have looked good, but that kind of also goes to what Jordy Mercer said last week. The pitching is definitely ahead, but I have been very impressed with uh, Mitch Keller and his new cutter, 94 miles an hour with a lot of horizontal break. I I'm very excited to see him in the regular season. Brubaker has looked pretty solid as well. Rich Hill, as you noted, has looked solid. Velasquez has looked solid. As far as like people to make the team, I don't see Drew Maggi making the team, sadly. He's like 34, I think. He's never had a major league at bats. I just looked at his stats. He slugged like 270s in the 270 in the minors last season. Um, he has been ripping the cover off the ball this spring, and who knows, maybe if he's hot in the minor leagues, he can have his moon moonlight Graham moment, but I just don't see it. I guess my thing, I was looking at the roster today, and I was thinking of the opening day roster and what it's going to look like. And basically what I concluded is right now you look at it, it's a 26-man roster. I think... 11 pitchers are locks to make the team and 11 hitters are locks to make the team. So that leaves two open spots for uh, both pitchers and hitters. And I'll start with pitchers. When it comes to the locks, we're going to see the starters, the five starters, Brubaker, Contreras, Keller, Hill, Velasquez. Those will be the five starters. And then bullpen wise, we're going to see Bednar. We're going to see Crow. We're going to see Chase the Young. We're going to see Jose Hernandez because he's the Rule 5 guy, and he's the only lefty right now because Harlan Garcia, he's not going to be throwing for a few weeks because of um, a forearm issue. But we're also going to see Colin Holderman. We're going to see Dwayne Underwood. So that's 11, I believe. So that leaves... And opens two open spots. They're going to need one more lefty. Maybe it's Caleb Smith. I'm not sure, but uh, I'm not sure at this moment. But I'm interested to see how that shakes out. I don't know if you have any thoughts on the pitchers, and then and then we can look look over at the hit. Yeah, starting with the pitchers, I agree with your locks. I mean, I think it's kind of obvious who's going to make the roster. I'm not going to lie. I actually kind of was holding out for Carmen Lajinski or maybe even Kyle Nicholas cracking the opening days like a surprise. Um, but Nicholas was sent back to minor league camp. I think, isn't Lajinski still on the major league squad? I think he is for now, but I think like Nicholas soon enough here, he'll be. Yeah. I'm really looking at this left-handed pitcher reliever race and yeah, Caleb Smith kind of tops my role because he's just going to incorporate the eye test here that not too many people like, but I mean, he's looked solid through two and two thirds innings. It looks like he's commanding the zone pretty well. Kind of like what he did. I'm trying to find, I think it was his first stint with Arizona back in 2020, I think is when it was. Um, yeah, that sort of era. Um, well, really all of 2020, he looked pretty good, but that was still through five games. But I, I mean, if anything, he looks great now. Not great. He looks the best that he has now uh, than he has over the past couple of years. Now, I'm also keeping my eye on Daniel Zamora. I feel like if he puts uh, gives us a couple more consistent innings, I really feel like he might have a chance of cracking the bullpen as a left-handed reliever. Um, so far, he's got uh, four innings down, only a strikeout, but I mean, he's generated a lot of weak contact from what I've seen. And I think it'd be nice to have like a, I think he's a sidearm kind of guy. I can't really gauge through his 
his uh, motion, whether he's three quarters or stretch, but either way, it's very simple and it wouldn't stand out to really anybody in a crowd. But I mean, considering he looks, first of all, he looks the greatest between on Perdomo uh, and Rob Zastrizny. Uh, that's how, that's how you say it. I'd rather go with Zamora or Smith over the other two. Perdomo, anytime he takes the mound, he's either, he, he, he's wild or gives up hard hits. So Strizny hasn't figured it out by now and he won't this year. I'm saying that right now. Um, so I think if we're looking at left-handed relievers, am I, I'm going to go with Caleb Smith, like you said, or either Daniel Zamora looking at some of the other guys in the, in the bullpen. I don't know. That, that's hard to say. I feel like if Carmen Lijinsky actually keeps up his, like his good track this spring, I think he's got a shot to maybe overtake like maybe Johan Ramirez. Who's looked very wild this spring. Uh, really, I haven't been impressed with him or um, Will Crow, and I, I really am starting to think that Crow is cooked after last year. Just watching him today, I mean, he made he he gave one up to um, oh, what's his name? Uh, it, it was a guy who hit a home run for the Tigers. He just pulled it to to right field, no doubter. Just something that you wouldn't expect Will Crow to do. But I don't know. I'm just watching him, and I'm like, man, he does not look comfortable out there. You can tell last year really took a toll on Will Crow. So he's either going to have a very short leash or if he continues to just not impress, I feel like they would prioritize somebody over him. Who that person is, like I said, either Mlodzinski or I have to look at the actual 40-man and see who. But, I mean, I, I they really need to look at who they could possibly have in the bullpen opening day that's actually going to contribute. Yerry Dolos Santos hasn't looked too great. I'm... It's hard to predict this. I mean, I've been impressed somewhat with Dari Moretta. Selby hasn't settled in. Stevenson, you never know. You're going to have Underwood in there. So I guess my dark horses, and I think this is where I'm trying to get at, Zamora and Smith for left-handed relievers and for right-handed relievers. We already know Dari Moretta is going to be a big part of it. If things get as bad as they possibly could be, I definitely think Yari De Los Santos would be one of the first guys up, if not uh, maybe Luis Ortiz in a long relief role. Yeah. Uh, and like looking at the relievers, there's like, there's so many guys to choose from, but like, as far as bullpen goes, there's five starters. There's eight relievers of, of the eight spots. There's like 20 guys. I feel like that are competing. Uh, I think Moreta has a good shot to make the team. And as far as a lefty, I, I think I'll go with Caleb Smith for now. Jose Hernandez. He's the rule five guy. He has, He's shown some impressive stuff, but he's also got blown up a little bit. It's also impossible to tell because I swear catching fly balls in Florida and in Bradenton has been impossible for the Pirates. And I don't really put much stock into that because the sun is impossible to look at. But I don't know. I think more interesting, it's it's fun to look at the hitting side because you look at the locks of the 11 guys it's going to be Austin Hedges. It's going to be a backup catcher, whether it's Heineman, whether it's uh, Plaecki, whether it's Jason DeLay. I think Jason DeLay is my vote as of right now, but I just put the backup catcher spot as a lock because there's obviously going to be a backup catcher. But you look at it, there's two spots right there. On the infield, I think the locks are obviously Carlos Santana and – G-Man Choi at first base, so that's four. Rodolfo Castro, I think, is a lock. O'Neal Cruz, Cabrian Hayes, that's seven. And then in the outfield, Connor Joe, the Pirates traded for him. He'll make the team. Andrew McCutcheon, obviously. Brian Reynolds, obviously. 
and Jack Solinsky. So that's 11 spots right there. So these players are competing for the final two spots as far as position player goes, in my mind. There is Cal Mitchell, who has hit pretty well, outfielder. Cannon Smith and Jigma has looked pretty decent at the plate, outfielder. Travis Swaggerty, pretty solid in the field, fielder. The Pirates just traded for someone as well, and they traded for him yesterday, Wednesday, Mark Mathias. And I don't know if I just have PTSD, but sometimes I don't understand with Ben Sherrington. He just can't help himself sometimes. I'm getting some Josh Van Meter vibes with this trade. I don't know what you're thinking, but Mathias is a guy. He can play corner outfield, corner infield. He has some pop. He hits right-handed, and his stats last season, I mean, not terrible in 91 plate appearances, not a huge sample size, but he slugged above 500. He can hit lefties. I don't know, though. I just, why? What's the point? Yeah, I'm kind of with you there. I I saw the Matthias trade, and I'm thinking, like you, this is Josh Van Meter 2.0, maybe a little bit better. It's a fringe quad A player who can play different positions. The only place he hasn't been been at is uh, shortstop and catcher, which, yeah, we're kind of full there, so I can understand that. But, yeah, I don't understand that move at all, especially whenever we have a lot of young guys who could probably do well up in the MLB. There's no reason to bring somebody in who's not really going to contribute too much. Uh, but like you said, I mean, he hasn't been awful, awful. Like he hasn't been Josh Van Meter stat awful, but he's definitely not somebody that, you know, you're going to be like, wow, that's, that's a great deal. I mean, to, to put it in perspective, we traded him for a player to be named later. So that already tells you right there how this trade is going to go. But I, I don't understand the need for a super utility player when, if you have those two spots open and you kind of went over the locks for this season, but for those final two spots, then correct me if I said somebody who you mentioned, but I would give it automatically to Kanan Smith and Jigba and um, G1 Bay, without a doubt. Reason being, like I said, they put together solid at-bats. G1 Bay is starting to find his rhythm a little bit. Defense hasn't been there altogether, and trust me, some people on Twitter have gone over the top in bashing his defense. But again, this is spring training. This is why you got to work it out. Uh, but I, I mean, I like those two out of anybody to bring up, but now we just wasted a 40 man roster spot on Mark Mathias, which we could have put to better use, I would say, but you also have to think of it this way. Ben Sherrington brought in a guy who has had some spurts in the MLB, but you look at the other guys and non-roster invitees that we have guys like uh, Drew Maggi, who you mentioned, who you don't think is going to make the 40 man. And I could see that um, reason being he's over his thirties and he's never made the MLB. I know he wants to get there, but he probably won't if he hasn't by now. Chris Owings, he's done okay. He hasn't done great, hasn't impressed me too much. So there's really nothing there to bring him up. So I think he's just trying to gamble on somebody who has seen some significant major league time, has, I guess, stepped up to the occasion at least once. I don't know, but I, I'm confused by it. I would have given the L2 roster spots on opening day to Smith and Jigba and Bay. They still could, but with Matthias coming in, I think that takes one automatically away. But that, that's my thought. I don't know why they brought they made this move either. I think it was kind of dumb, but um, I, I, I don't know either. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll admit, I, I think he's better than Josh Van Meter last year. But it, it is just peculiar because, yeah, I do think 
you make a trade like this, he's probably going to make the team out of spring training. Uh, obviously, we still have a few weeks to go before opening day, but I think he does at this point in time take one of those spots. And looking at other guys, I mean, I think right now one of my biggest concerns with this team is who can actually play shortstop. And that includes O'Neill Cruz. Um, Cruz obviously will be the opening day shortstop. He's going to get most of the time there. But Bay's defense has been shaky, and he did have a few hits today, but he is this spring like three for 17. So he hasn't really impressed too much. If I had to guess, I think it's I think it's Tuka Pita Marcano who will eventually make the team. <laughs> I, I mean... He's another utility guy. Owings is probably the best bet defensively at shortstop, but I just I don't see it with him. I don't think Miguel Andujar is making this team out of spring training. But right now, I'm I'm going with Matthias and and uh, Tuca Pita Marcano. And as far as shortstop goes, that's going to be an adventure all season. That's going to be something to watch. Because you look at it, I don't really have a lot of confidence in Cruz. I really hope he figures it out. But, I mean, I don't know. Castro, he he can't play shortstop. He could play third. He could play second. Maybe he gets a few innings there. But, I don't know. It's going to be something to watch, the shortstop position, and just how how iffy it might be defensively. I know that we were uh, really eager to get Kevin Newman out of town, but at least you put him out there at short. He was serviceable defensively. That's one of my biggest concerns right now in spring training. Yeah, it's kind of weird because now we go from a shortstop mainstay who is all defense to a shortstop who is offense, question mark? I mean, Cruz has the power. He's got the the, the flair to him, but consistency of the plate hasn't been all there. It makes me want to vomit thinking of Tucapita Marcano making this opening day roster. He doesn't, he doesn't bring anything special in my opinion. Like he, to me, he kind of resembles Kevin Newman in a way. He can play really flashy defense, generate some weak contact, but that's about it. He doesn't really do too much. Yeah. He can add a little versatility, he can play some outfield as well, but uh, I, I don't know. And but then again, I also have to step back in like the names you mentioned, think about, okay, well, who's better than them or who would you give a shot over? And I'm thinking, boy, I'd, I'd rather just take an empty roster spot than field one of those guys because they're not that great. Maybe Matthias can come in and sort of prove to be that guy who can, I guess, be that flex player that can play when needed. I agree with you that Rodolfo Castro won't see shortstop time unless there is an absolute emergency. Uh, I think Castro's got second base pretty much locked up. Um, Cruz obviously will be our mainstay shortstop and Hayes obviously at third there's going to be some rotation there but yeah Castro won't be at short so I think they're just going to I don't know if they're going to just try to bring somebody up who can just field the position for a day I, I don't know and if like you said if that's the case and go Owings or even Matthias just who can pop in there every once in a while you don't have many expectations for them you just expect them to go out and play shortstop every five or six days that can give O'Neill Cruz a break um, I'm with you that Cruz needs to figure it out at shortstop too. Um, yeah, he, he's got great wingspan. He can, he's got great range, but his, his arm is going to kill him. And he, we've already seen a couple errant throws. It seems like he's just trying to put muscle on the ball instead of just throw it to the mid. 
And that's going to kill him, especially in these late innings where, you know, defense will save you the games. If he makes an error like that, people are going to start getting pretty angry with him, especially if he can't put together consistent at-bats. Um, I'm not afraid for Cruz, but that's just where I think his landscape is at right now. If he can improve things, great. And he can be a great shortstop. I, I certainly believe he could, but like uh, like you said, he's got to improve his defense uh, in terms of his arm, and he's got to get consistent at the plate. But um, I'm, I'm rambling here, as I always do, but if – if I had to throw somebody at shortstop just to fill a role, it would either be Matthias Owings or hell. If we're really just going to throw, you know, throw crap at the wall and see what sticks, might as well just see what drew magic can put together. I mean, the guy has waited so long to get to the major leagues, at least give him that experience, see what he can do. If he's, if he doesn't do anything, DFA him, get somebody else up there. That's just my thoughts on the shortstop debacle. It's weird thinking about because I remember how badly, like you said, we wanted Newman out of there, and now we're faced with this question. It's like we didn't prepare for it. Yeah, and I don't even know. Does Drew Maggi even play shortstop? I I see that he's he's played some third base. Has he been playing shortstop this spring? I think he does play shortstop. I I would be amazed if he didn't. Let me. Okay, timeout for research purposes. This is. There's nothing yeah, look that up. Look that up because honestly, like even organizationally, the Pirates at shortstop, it's um, he has played shortstop. Ironically, in his first stint with the Pirates organization, with the Angels organization, Dodgers organization, and with Cleveland's organization. Yeah, pretty much everywhere he's gone, he's played shortstop. All right, that's that kind of paints a better picture for him than I guess in my mind. I thought he was just a corner infielder, but who knows? Maybe he sticks with the Pirates and plays some shortstop in AAA. I'm not sure. Um, if he can make it with the Pirates, more power to him. But just looking at the shortstop position as a whole in the organization, it's Cruz, which I really do hope it can work out because, yeah, he's six eight and it's really hard for shortstops to be tall, but I don't know. After him, you got Paguero, which he's kind of been iffy defensively himself. He's kind of had trouble throwing the ball, kind of like Cruz. After that, Nick Gonzalez, I see him more as a second baseman. And after that, I I mean, I don't really see anyone. So it's kind of cruiser bust at this very moment. So we'll see, but I'm definitely interested to see what it looks like once the season starts, if Cruz can hold it down. And if he can't, who knows? It's going to be a real adventure. Maybe the Pirates have to make some sort of move, but that's that's one of my biggest concerns uh, watching games these sprint, this spring is besides Cruz who plays shortstop because every other position is locked up and that's good. And, um, I mean, good for the Pirates. Starting rotation, pretty much locked up. The starting rotation has looked pretty good to start spring, which I'm glad to see. Bullpen-wise, you got Bednar pitching for Team USA. Hopefully he can uh, do well. The back end of the bullpen should be maybe okay. We'll see. Pro- I don't know. Maybe not. But uh, I don't know. Shortstop is key, though. Speaking of the World Baseball Classic, though, Luis Ortiz is now with the Dominican Republic. So that puts four major league. Well, I guess that 
Ortiz wasn't going to break camp with the Pirates. I guess we'll see. I don't think he will, but he's with the DR. He'll be with Rowanzi Contreras, who's also with the Dominican Republic. And as we know, David Bednar is with Team USA. Dwayne Underwood Jr. is with Team Puerto Rico. And my only thoughts on this is that I'm glad to see it. If there's a game in which Ortiz, I don't think he'll be a starting pitcher, but if he comes in middle innings in a close game against the U.S. or some awesome team and has to face an all-star studded lineup, which a lot of these lineups are, the experience is great, and I'm excited to see what he can do as well as with Rowanzi and even Bed. Yeah, I kind of see this as a test for Luis. Um, I mean, like you said, he's almost there, but he probably wasn't going to break camp. But I feel like if he has a strong a strong outing with uh, Dominican Republic, not only is that going to impress Derek Shelton and his crew, but I also think that if Rowanzi sees the growth in him and Shelton goes to him and says, hey, what do you think about Ortiz? Did he do, like, what did you think he, or how do you think he did at the World Baseball Classic numbers aside? there could be a little bit of weight added to Ortiz's spring. And what I mean by that is, and I wrote about this on Buck's dugout in my news piece for this. So you have an extra opportunity here, a better opportunity, I think, to sort of show that you're ready to break major league camp. You're not playing in these meaningless exhibition games. You're playing for something. And I mean, for a a team with like the pirates right now, world baseball classic is kind of like the closest thing you'll get to a championship atmosphere. I think if, if Ortiz can really impress some guys at the, at the classic, not even like, you know, closing out the final game of the, t- the championship. I, I just mean like putting out consistent outings, showing that he can paint corners, display great breaking control on his balls, j- just kind of pick up where he left off last season with the Dominican Republic in a new atmosphere. Uh, I, I think he's got a chance to maybe possibly break camp as a reliever. I don't, I don't think Shelton and them are going to look at this and say, ah, oh, this is, we don't need to watch him. Um, I think they're going to try to keep a close eye on, on him and see how he does. And I also think it's great for Ortiz too. say he doesn't even do well. You know, he actually is kind of bad. I look at it this way. The guy was in what low a last year, like no expectations. Nobody knew who he was really quickly rose through the, the, the system last year. Now he's playing on a, a uh, international uh, tournament team. I mean, the guy has jumped pretty quickly. So, I mean, Luis Ortiz, this is just the beginning of a success story. And I really hope that he takes advantage of this opportunity to really make it his own. And I, I also think that if he just makes that chemistry a little bit better with Rwanda, not saying it's bad now, but I'm just saying like strengthening it up a little bit, adding some padding. Again, I think that's going to add, that's going to add more incentive for the Pirates to keep him in the MLB because he's already displayed that he can get along with these guys. And, you know, he, he's a good guy in the locker room too. So, um, I hope he takes full advantage of this opportunity with the Dominican Republic. I hope he has a great time. I mean, that's a very rare opportunity. Uh, some people don't even get an, an opportunity to do this, so good for him. Yeah, and just a reminder that the first game that both the Dominican Republic and U.S. play will be Saturday. Um, it's pretty exciting that the World Baseball Classic has started, but a lot of these games that have been on so far have been in Asia. So a lot of these games have been starting at like 11 o'clock at night. I've watched a little bit, but not a lot. But uh, yeah, I, I I like the World Baseball Classic. And I think it can be really good for young players to get a taste of baseball that actually matters. So that'll be cool. I'll be excited to see what both Contreras and Ortiz can do. 
Switching things up here, back to spring training, I was wondering if anyone has really stuck out to you that really doesn't have a chance to make the major league squad, so minor league type guys. Who who have you seen that has really caught your eyes? I already alluded to Lijinsky. I think he's kind of taking a step forward in terms of showing that he's ready for that next step. I don't think he's quite ready for the major leagues, but I think he's at last year. I kind of counted him out, but then just watching him this spring on televised games and just seeing some of the highlights he's posted, I've been very impressed with him. I was also impressed with Kyle Nicholas. I thought he did all right. Uh, I would say Jason delay, but that's kind of a cop out considering he was with the MLB last year. I, I just think overall, he's been impressing me. How about Andy Rodriguez? He's impressed me so far. I mean, he, I think my expectations for him this spring were a little too high. I thought he would just come out and start hitting bombs every day. And he's, he's had more of like a, a slow rise, I would say. So he's impressed me. But like I said, my standards were held way too high for him for spring. And that's on me. Defensively, I think he was okay. I think he could be a really good catcher for us, but who knows where they're going to put him. I, I liked what I've seen from him so far. Hopefully he just really starts to shine over the next few weeks. Yeah, I, I'm not sure whether or not Andy Rodriguez will be sent down soon. Uh, probably over the next few days because, you know, that's just how it is with minor league guys. But three doubles so far, five hits, 14 at-bats. Obviously, spring training stats don't matter. But I think he's put together some really good at-bats. He's looked solid. Nick Gonzalez has looked pretty solid. He's still going to strike out a ton. But if he can just hit balls in the zone and... The hit tool is there, but the strikeout, the strikeouts are just way too much. If he can, in AAA, cut down on strikeouts, who knows? I am still sad that we didn't get to see Tamar Johnson, and it looks like he's going to be out for at least spring training. I'm not sure uh, what his season's going to look at like and where he's going to start his minor league year. But uh, those two guys have been solid. Paguero's had some nice at-bats. Those are the, the main guys. On the pitching side, Mike Burrows had a nice outing. So the Young Bucks, they're getting their chances. We'll see. But uh, I, I've been really impressed by Andy. I mean, Quinn Priester's also looked okay, but he hasn't had a lot of time out there. So, which I think is, uh, I think that's a little too early for me. I don't know. Do you feel the same way? With the guys that aren't going to make the team, I think they get sent down. So then they go to minor league camp and just get more work in because it's, it's tough to get your one inning in a spring training game where the major league guys have to start ramping it up and getting their work in. So once the minor league guys get sent down, the major league guys start getting more playing time and ramping up for the actual season. So I don't, I never thought Priester really had a chance to make the squad and who knows if he is a guy that will get called up this season, maybe later in the year. So I'm not, I'm not too stressed about it. The main thing in spring training, training, whether you're a major league guy or a minor league guy, is you just have to get your reps in. You have to get your work in. I think for Priester, for me, I, I think I just wanted to see him get a little bit more, I guess, major league reps in spring because I, he is due to be called up. I mean, he he came, he was drafted long ago. I think he was even drafted before Nick Gonzalez. So he's due. He's ready to come up. He's shown that he is matured enough that he can dominate a major league zone. He can control some major league hitters, maybe not be, you know, then again, be conditioning him to be a full-time starter instead of reliever as well. I don't know. It's hard to gauge what their plan is for him, but 
I think for me, I just wanted to see him get a little bit more major league spring reps, which I guess could happen if he's in minor league camp. But I don't know. I just thought the demotion of minor league camp just came a little too early. Yeah, I guess the thing with Priester and his timeline is that, yeah, he was the 2019 first round draft pick, but he was drafted out of high school. So that kind of uh, prolongs the the timeline getting to the majors. So it it will take a while. Gonzalez was a, a college bat. So you expect him to be called up to the majors sooner, but I definitely want to see him as a starting pitcher. That is for sure. If Quinn Priester ends up being a bullpen guy, then I I would see that as maybe a failure. I I don't think that Priester is going to be an ace per se, but if he could be a mid-rotation guy that pitches 160 innings a year and maybe is a three-war type guy, I I think that'll be solid, but... I'm definitely excited to see what he brings. I mean, the curveball is awesome. The fastball is not as good as it once was. And the big thing with him is that the fastball is flat and gets hit hard, but maybe he needs to work on some sort of sinker action, maybe some sort of cutter action to, to make the fastball have some shape, but I'm excited to see what he can do in the minor leagues. Yeah, and I don't think it'll be too long before we see him in the MLB. I think they just want to see him get a couple starts in AAA, see if he's brought over what he had last year, and just sort of go from there. Yeah, we'll see. And, uh, Jake, is there anything else you wanted to really talk about before we before we sign off? I don't believe so. I just want to say that uh, Talk to Plank has a Twitter account, so I'll be plugging that here. Follow Talk to Plank on Twitter at talk the plank pod that's all one word um we're trying to grow the show here get some followers we'll both be tweeting from the account so that'll be cool you can follow me on twitter at nathan underscore hirsch and of course jake give us that twitter follow me at underscore radio jake and you can also follow bucks dugout at bucks dugout we are with bucks dugout for about a week and a half. And then after that is when we make the full switch over to fan first network, kind of jump the gun two pods ago, but still some details getting hammered out before we can make the official switch. But we're excited for that. Uh, Jake, it was a pleasure listeners. Thank you as always for tuning in. We'll be back again next week. Talking buckos, talking spring. We're just counting down the days until we can really dig our teeth into the season and see what the pirates do spring training. I feel like it's kind of tough to talk about because these games just mean absolutely nothing. And it's really hard to see like what players are working on and what they're trying to accomplish because on the bare surface, yeah, it looks like this team is a disaster right now, but until the games matter, I can't really, I can't really get too upset by it, but uh, everyone have a great one and peace. Peace.